Welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gonzalez Cumberbatch, and I know firsthand that it takes a village to raise a child, but most importantly, that it takes a village to uplift a mother. A mother's village is necessary and can take up many forms. Consider this podcast as part of your motherhood village. No matter the season of motherhood you're in, every conversation will give you more tools to add to your parenting toolbox, and you'll feel supported, inspired, and uplifted. So let's get into an informative and empowering conversation. Hello, and welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I have a very special guest. Welcome, Sherry Barge. How are you today? Please tell my listeners a little bit about you before we go into my icebreaker round and our full conversation. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Sherry Barch, and I am excited to be here today. I'm a first-time author, and I can't wait to talk about Heaven's Bell. Awesome. And I'm excited to talk about that because I find everything that you do so intriguing and it seems something that is necessary, but I also don't hear a lot about. So excited to talk about that with you. What is your favorite book and one you would like to recommend? I love anything Adam Grant. So I do a lot of business uh, book reading. So Think Again is uh, a newer book of his, and I just love his approach to problem solving and creating space for uh, new ideas. I love that. What are the values that guide you and your family? Uh, Authentic communication. My 26-year-old son, who's my oldest uh, of three, said just this past weekend, you know, mom, we just kind of have a a no BS kind of way of communicating in our family. So I like that. (laughs) So many things come from that. I think communication is the, I mean, it's one of the reasons why I have my podcast. I think communication is so powerful, good and bad, right? Because if you're not communicating in the proper way. So I love that. Um, I think a lot of things can come from that. And I like how you added the authentic communication. How has motherhood transformed you? I think my idea of motherhood was I was the teacher. I had all the answers. Um, That's what you do as a mother. And what I've realized is I'm not always the only one teaching. And I definitely don't have all the answers. Yes, I love that. So my podcast is called The Motherhood Village, and it does take a village to raise a child, but it also takes a village to uplift a mother. And I truly believe that. Who and what, and I say what because I think a village can come in many resources. My podcast, I I feel, is considered part or can be part of a a mother's village. But who and what is part of your motherhood village or has been a part of your motherhood village during your motherhood journey? I definitely am blessed to still have my mom uh, with me. And and so she has taught me how to be a a strong mother. And she has a very good friend who I consider my second mom, Uh, my mother-in-law as well. You know, I didn't have any sisters and I don't have any daughters. Mm. So my friends play a very, very large part in, in my life and in helping me be a better person and, and a better mother. So I would say that's a, that's a big piece is just seeking input and reaching out when I feel vulnerable mm-hmm. um, and having the courage to do that. I love it. Okay. Awesome. Let's get right into the meat and potatoes of the conversation. So I want to go a little bit. Um, you describe yourself as the pancreas for your two boys who were diagnosed <laughs> with type 1 diabetes. Why do you identify as such? Where did that come from? And talk a little bit about that 
journey from the diagnosis, figuring out what will have to change and maintaining the healthy practices for you and your family. Yes. So my first son was diagnosed. My youngest son was diagnosed first in first grade. And um, because he was so young, uh, you know, we had to measure all of his food, uh, adjust his insulin. We had to work with his teachers and school nurses and you name it. So um, to me, that's just your pancreas's job. Your pancreas's job is to release enough insulin based on what you're eating. So that's Mm -hmm. why I was a part-time pancreas. Um, (laughs) Well, not yet, but then um, almost about the one-year anniversary of his diagnosis, we decided to uh, put him on a Medtronic insulin pump. And you have to go through classes and training. And so we brought the whole family to, because it's dangerous, you know, if that pump malfunctions, if we code in the wrong amount of food or the wrong amount of insulin, it, it could cause a, a pretty traumatic event. So, um, but within a week and a half to two weeks, my middle son came home and said, mom, I think mom and dad, I think I'm diabetic. Being the good parents that we are, we just assumed it was the middle child looking for attention. <laughs> so we immediately tested his blood sugar, and his blood sugar was 444, which in a normal person, our blood sugars are between 80 and 150. Oh, my God. 140, right around in there. So we knew there was a problem. By that night, we were in the hospital with our second child, who was in fifth grade at the time. So that's when I became a part-time pancreas because I had to – and everybody is different. So you might consume and need different amounts of insulin than I do. Mm, So each child has a different way of metabolizing their insulin and metabolizing their food and their sugars and their fat and their carbs. So that is why I call myself a part-time pancreas. Now, may I ask, how old are your children now? Now they are 26, 23, and 20. Wow. Yes. So so it's been a little over a decade. Yeah. And I was going to say, so you find out, you find this, find out about this diagnosis when they're young. Now, did diabetes run through your family? Was this like no. a, a whole new world of, you're like, wait a minute, what are we going to do? Correct. They, they, it's a virus. So mm-hmm. a virus that they caught a year apart triggered an autoimmune response. No. Yes. Wow. So there's no, so we had no idea what type one diabetes was how to treat it, what to do. And it is an, it is immediate. It is you, you now will not survive without injecting your child will not survive without injecting them with insulin. Wow. And what has their journey been like, I guess, now that they are adults, you know, obviously it's just a part of who they are now, but I guess what was that journey, you know, middle school, high school for them to say, well, this, I mean, it, it becomes what it is, but like for them and you watching your children, what has that been like? Oh, it's, it's, it talk about a journey, right? That's where I go back to the teaching. That's where Mm -hmm. my answer came from. Because what I realized is we were in it together and we were learning together. And so they become more aware of how their body metabolizes and what they need. They're, they were athletes. Um, You know, today one is graduated from college. One is going to be a junior in college Mm -hmm. and they have um, worked with the disability centers. One worked with them just based on their, his interview. Um, Another one utilizes it to make sure that um, he's his own best advocate to make sure Mm -hmm. that his testing is, is, and scores are accurate. So it has been just a wonderful journey to watch them manage it and be Mm -hmm. their own advocate. Because as a parent, 
that's your job, right? I can only be a part-time pancreas for so long. And then I have to create an environment and create skill sets for them to be able to seek out their best lives. And while a lot of times we talk about that in the way of self-confidence and, Mm -hmm. you know, ability to make decisions for themselves, this is life and death. Yeah. So it's been, it's, it's, it's taught us a lot. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's interesting about diabetes is um, when they were in high school, they took a, they each at different times took a sociology class, I think it was. And the teacher said, okay, raise your hand if you have dinner together once a week. Okay. Twice a week. Okay, keep your hand up if it's three times a week. Well, what happens with diabetes, obviously, is we have to count carbs that everything has to be measured and monitored. So we spend a lot of time as a family eating meals together because it's a really dangerous but important piece of um, health when you are managing type 1 diabetes. But the, the offshoot of that, obviously, in a sociology class is a family unit that's connected around a common goal yes. and, and common conversations, albeit difficult. Yes, that's so true. So something that could have, and maybe at times, you know, it was definitely challenging and having to overcome that, right? Because things had to change. Maybe your own healthy styles, like you said, you never had to deal with this or now your lifestyle changes. So now you have to really be mindful of what you're eating, how you're maintaining it, because it is life or death. Yes. I always see the silver linings and things. So the silver lining is now, you know, and actually, I know you, you said... Um, coming together for a common goal, but from the experts I've talked to on my podcast, you know, licensed mental health counselors, therapists, psychologists, dinner really a lot of times is the bigger one. So the fact that you had that with your sons, I'm sure just drew you in even closer, you know, so something again, that was like, wow, we have to deal with this, but now look at the beauty of it because now you're having to eat together. You're spending time together. You're overcoming this challenge together. Um, So that's pretty spectacular. Yes. Let me, um, let me ask, what was the inspiration behind Heaven's Bell? And I'll let you talk about what it's about. But what was the inspiration behind it? Um, what is the story about? Sure. And yeah, yeah. So it, it really, the inspiration for me is, is, is just trying to help people have those difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. And death and dying is what Heaven's Bell wraps around a a difficult conversation. But the book really is about friendship Mm -hmm. and how a friendship gets uh, tested and, um, you know, gets challenged with a a traumatic event with Cody and Ashley. Cody dies in the story, Mm -hmm. but it's, it happens early in the story. And what happens past that is it shows Cody's journey in heaven Mm -hmm. and Ashley's heaven on earth. And how their friendship continues until one day they're reunited. And it's actually a book for 8 to 12-year-olds. Oh, so wow. it is, okay. it's really put into this kind of adolescent space, which now more than ever, if you look at what's going on in the news um, with the school shootings. And, yeah. and uh, for me, it was COVID. The inspiration came from, it was a story that I had and I I made it up when I was a kid and I would tell children the story, my nieces and a couple other of my family friends, and it stuck with them. And they would come back and talk about how the story made a big difference for them. At the time, I wasn't an author and I never identified as an author. So I hired a book coach Mm -hmm. and I said, I have this story about a, a children's story and it's about difficult conversations and the one I want to start with is Heaven's Bell. And I, cause I think there's difficult conversations around chronic 
illness, for example, and some other, uh, some others, but heaven's bell was one that I had. And she said, I'm sorry, I don't do children's books. So, um, I ended up starting another book and it's a business book. Uh, and that's the the second book, which was really the first book. Um, (laughs) but then, and that's about just, um, you know, difficult conversations in business, curiosity and what they don't teach you once you graduate from high school or once you graduate from college in the real world, you know, you don't have a syllabus, you don't have a, you know, you, you don't have a map. So, so, but what happened with COVID is the book coach came back around and said, let's talk about this. Cause I think this is an important topic. And we ended up um, writing it together. I have four other female team members, the illustrator, the book publicist, the editor, um, and me. And so we all came together and, and wrote this book and it's, it has received incredible reviews. Uh, I think it, it, it's feeding a need right now for people yeah. to have a, uh, an opportunity to open up a conversation. And so families are reading this book. And then when they're done, what I'm finding is people aren't necessarily talking about Cody and Ashley. They're talking about their family members and they're using the story for that next story, which is your own heaven's bell. It might be somebody that we lost during COVID, but it might be somebody that we just don't know. Um, or maybe it's a mom talking about, her mom to the children that maybe never had the opportunity to meet that mom. So it's just been wonderful. I'm so excited to be able to continue to talk about it and, and hopefully help people understand that you don't have to be scared to talk about a really uncomfortable topic. Yeah. And I love that. And you saying having the difficult conversations. And I think a lot of times we run away from talking about loss. And maybe it is generational to some degree. I've dealt with a lot of loss in my life um, as far as like aunts, cousins, but I, I was close with them. So it's something I've seen since I'm a little girl, which looking back is something kind of... Uh, crazy about it because I know some people that have never been to a wake or never been to a funeral right Um, and I've been to quite a few so but there is something about when that happens and how do we talk about it when we don't right we almost sometimes not that they don't exist but we kind of shut down and it's like whoa because when you do talk with loss because it could affect everyone differently. Yes. You're like, okay, well, what's going to happen? I remember even losing pets was a thing, you know, right. and being in my office and at work and never experienced the loss of a pet on this level and crying at my desk. And I'm like, what am I doing? And I'm like, do I tell my boss, like I lost my dog and is he going to look at me like, really? You're crying. But the whole point of that is like, you know, we just don't normalize enough of talking about it and kind of like, okay, we take three bereavement days from work and then right. we're and then supposed chop, to- chop. And then get back to it. So I love that you came with this to to have this, especially on the on the children's level. And I would imagine, because the unfortunate of what we're dealing with in the world, why this would resonate with a lot of people. And I think Please. we no, we didn't have the churches. We couldn't go to church. Mm-hmm. We couldn't have funerals. We couldn't even go into a living room and hug one another. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. even when now that's all opened back up again, and we can do it, we still don't yes. quite get to how are we feeling and what, and what are, and, and, and regardless of whether it's death or other topics, it's how do we create space so that our children, especially those adolescents. So those yeah. that, again, that, that adolescent that says, you know, they know, they know if you're trying to protect them. And so I'm not going to go talk about grandma because I don't want to make mom sad yeah. and she's been crying and I know she's upset. So I'm not going to say anything. Sure. Or the parent is looking at the adolescent and going, well, if they don't want to talk about it, 
I don't want to make them sad. So what we do then is we just move forward. And is it really moving forward? Mm -hmm. Or is there a way that we can, um, and, and, and it's hard to go, hey, how are you feeling? Well, I'm feeling sad. Me too. Okay. So again, I think yeah. Heaven's Bell is a, is a way to help families have something else to start the conversation that doesn't start at the rawness that usually shuts people down in conflict. Most people avoid conflict. Yeah. So if we're going to start right off with, this is how I'm feeling about grandma's death or my neighbor's death or this horrific events that are happening in media, yeah. the, it's a non-starter. The conversation's probably not going to start. And let me ask, because you said that you had this idea when you were a child, did you experience loss that made you want to talk about it? I just didn't have a lot of loss growing up, but my Mm. friends did, or um, Uh. I had a couple, but like that generation, I didn't necessarily go to the funeral. Mm. Right. They they put you away. It's like, no, no, no. Right. Like, no, it's okay. You know, we'll be back. And yeah. okay, so what happened? Well, yeah. you know, Peter next door is, you know, died. And so Norma's really upset. Okay, well, and so then I would start thinking about him and I would ring his bell in heaven. Mm-hmm. And that's really the story is that we all have the ability when we lose a loved one, when a loved one dies, I should say, let's use clear language, right? We didn't lose mm-hmm. them. They died yes. Yes. and went to heaven. Um, what I thought was every time I thought of a loved one, their bell would have a special sound and they would know that I was thinking of them. And then I would actually, when the, when the, the story was told to very young children, I would hand them a bell because I think the concreteness of a bell and they, and I had one individual who she was having nightmares. And so she hung it on her bedpost and then it reminded her visually to think about her dad. And, um, and then I said, in his bell in heaven, when you think of him, a ring. And that's what she needed. She just needed a sure. way to be able to process her grief. Um, and to this day, she still has that bell. And I think she's going to be a senior in high school. Wow. And since we do experience, all experience grief differently, in writing the book and you know whatever that process was like of you maybe doing research and stuff, what have you learned about grief and death since writing the book? And what do you really hope your readers will get, and I know you touched on it a a little bit, but what were they, what will you hope that they get once they do read the book? Oh, I love that. Thank you for that wonderful question. I think there's two things. Number one, we don't have to have all the answers. Mm -hmm. We just need to be curious Mm -hmm. and it's okay to just create space for the person that you want to help grieve. And also have kindness and curiosity for people that are trying to help you grieve. And sometimes people are going to say awkward things. And sometimes you're going to say awkward things. And in the book, Ashley, that's why they're they're two 11-year-olds. And it's awkward. You know, she wasn't there when Cody died. Um, She blurted out things that were probably not the most appropriate thing to say. Um, She was mad. So I think know that it is okay that you're probably going to be awkward. Mm-hmm. And it is okay that it's probably going to be uncomfortable. So I would say those two things, get ready to get awkward and be uncomfortable. And you don't have to have all the right things to say and the answers. Just be curious and create some space to be present and experience their grief with them. Mm-hmm. And I know you said you're you're looking to write your second book. What's or That's the business one, correct? You want to that's talk a little bit about that? One. Yeah. 
Well, I do, you know, that one is, is it's, you know, I, that one I call my ugly baby. I'm still working on that one. I do think it's going to help people. And I think my theme is about being able to have conversations that are meaningful and stay curious, you know, like this book, but also in business. I think the thing that I'm, I'm excited about is Heaven's Bell also has a journal. Yes. And the journal is really because my readers are saying, look, they're not talking about the book. They're talking about all their memories. And I want them to have a place to put those memories. So the journal is continuing along the line of that um, just kind of raw questions. They're not heavy. Sure. You know, they're not talking about what are the th- stages of grief that you're experiencing. Like a, an example of a question is, um, what's the first thing you're going to ask your loved one when you see him in heaven? What's I the first that. question you think they're going to ask you? Yeah. Um, and so it just, it's a place and you can draw in it. You can, it's a memory. You can tape things in there, glue things in there. You can write. But my hope is between the story and the journal, it's a family gift. It's a family you know, my, my thought is put that on top of a casserole and help this family heal, um, have the courage to be present. Um, and if you read the book and you're giving the book, now you've got a common story because storytelling is so important to being able to help people connect with people, love people. Mm -hmm. And the other thing about storytelling and, and heaven's bell is you know, you and I could both be at the same Christmas or the same event where an animal does something funny at the zoo or does, you know, a pet or what have you, but we have different vantage points. Sure. And sometimes when we're missing people, it's fun to be able to listen to you tell a story that I'm familiar with, but I don't maybe necessarily have it from your vantage point. So those are the Heaven's Bell stories that create the legacy and the opportunity to help generations to come celebrate and remember these beautiful people in our lives. Oh gosh, I love that. And that was so well put. And and because I think it is true. I think I love it. Yeah, you can have two vantage points, two different perspectives could be done. I mean, I think one of the biggest things um, my mom would always tell my sister and I, you guys came from the same house and you're two totally different people, which I always find that thing funny, but I'm like, it's true. But then it's also like, but how can we're individual people we're supposed to be different but i understand the concept because you could grow up all the same see the same thing but you could view it differently feel it differently or whatever that was like to you so that's that's powerful thank you for for um uh saying it in that matter now how can my listeners connect with you where can they purchase the book have you been doing any book launch parties because this came out recently correct i mean i know you said how recent is this the the journal has come out recently and that i'm very very excited about um and the um but with the book itself it was covid so when it came out we just did a little bit of a small uh uh facebook live but i want to be able to combine the two so i'm excited to be able to kind of relaunch this and talk about yes. this more. Um, but this, so they can find it on Amazon. I think there's almost 70 reviews, five-star reviews of awesome. Heaven's Bell. And, and people just talk about their family members and how they're using it and why it was meaningful for them. So just go look at all that. Um, so that again, that's on Amazon. You can get it at different retailers online as well. And then also just heavensbell.com www.heavensbell.com and you can learn more about me and and uh, you know more stories about heaven's bell 
Awesome. Any other final thoughts to the podcast community that could be listening to this or anyone else that, you know, you want to resonate and leave them with something? Just have the courage to read the story, have the courage to be present. And remember, you don't have to know all the right things to say. You just need to create space for your loved ones to be remembered. I love that. Sherry, thank you so much for coming on, for sharing your story. It's been a pleasure speaking with you and continued blessings to you for love and light. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this impactful episode of the Motherhood Village podcast. Subscribe to my show so you'll never miss a future episode. You may also rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with someone that can use it as part of their Motherhood Village. Remember, your village can take up many forms and you do not have to do it alone. Connect with me at themotherhoodvillage.com. Blessings to you for love and light.